0: Hi everyone and welcome to episode 88 of the Psychology Board Podcast with me Con Wiley and today's episode is on why people don't help us. This is a great episode that I really enjoy though because whenever we look at the social psychology topic of oh yes, of like helping behaviour, uh, pro-social behaviour, the thing that constantly comes up is why don't people always help because you would have thought that we would always want to help others in any situation that we can. But, of course, like, as we know, we don't always want to help other people. This is a great episode that really goes into this topic in depth. And even if you don't really like social psychology, this is a really useful episode that you can apply to everyday life. And yes, I know that's a like, running theme, though, with everything on this a podcast, though, because pretty much I'm only interested in psychology that I can apply to everyday life. And you'll probably be the same, though. So moving on to the psychology news section. So we've been from the British Psychological Society Research Digest. Oh, and I should also mention that it is Saturday, the 24th of April 2021, as I record this. I almost said 2020 then. <laughs> so but good time management seems to have a bigger impact on well-being than work performance. As our lives have become busier, desire to do more things quickly and efficiently has uh, grown. Something the rise of speed reading apps, lack of break taken at work, and the general focus on productivity has shown. Good time management, therefore, are now highly prized both at work and at home. But do such techniques actually work? A new meta-analysis suggests they do but perhaps not for the reason you're expecting. Whilst time management skills are becoming more important in evaluation of a job performance since the 1990s, the biggest impact lies elsewhere in personal well-being. And this I can definitely understand though, because like yesterday I was mainly having a like business day so I wasn't doing much like writing and to be honest I definitely felt a bit oh god I've not like done anything today yet, because I sort of felt like some task have taken me like quite a bit uh, long and I wasn't able to see that I've accomplished as much as uh, I would have wanted but turns out that I actually did though and I sort of like well I didn't feel down but I definitely had that sort of like, feeling so I really do understand this though because we want to feel like we've accomplished something like we want to feel that we've done it well well yes then, like that we've like done it well though and good time management helps us to do this so this I really understand and this I think is really important though and again though it's actually quite interesting to see the current thinking or the more traditional thinking that time management is only good for um, job performance actually flipped on its head slightly because now we know because of this research and because of this new creative thinking that this person did we now know that time management helps her well-being as well the next one is describing groups to children using a generic language can accidentally teach them social stereotypes. When we talk to children about the characteristics of a boys and girls, our word choice and syntax can profoundly shape what they take away from the conversation. Each attempt to dispel stereotypes can backfire. As we recently reported, and I think I also reported on this, telling kids that girls are just as good as boys at maths can actually leave them to believe that boys are naturally better at the subject and girls have to work harder. Yes, I definitely remember this one from a few episodes ago. Other work has also shown that generic language can also perpetuate stereotypes, saying that boys like to play football, for instance, it can make children believe that all boys like to play football, or that liking football is a fundamental part of being a boy. Now, a study in the psychological science shows that when the kids hear these kind of generic languages, they don't just make assumptions about the group that is mentioned. They also make inferences about unmentioned group, as if if children hear that that boys like to play football, then they deduce that girls do not. And this, I can, this I think is actually really true, though, because not only because, of course, it's been proven in a study, well, in a study though. But I remember this time where I was at a like swimming lesson, and I've never liked a football though, but the uh, swimming in instructor like, was a female, and like, she mentioned to that she liked football. And all of us were like, what? You like football, but you're a girl. You don't like a football. So this I really do understand, and it is a massive shame though. And I think that the takeaway from this psychology news section is just try and be wary, and try and be careful how we mention stuff. But the harsh thing is, though, is that if we tried and lived by the results of all of these studies, then it, then it would just be so hard to live because, like, you would constantly be thinking about how you act and what you say, which I guess to some extent we should, but of course it is actually quite hard. But I think it's just some good to be, oh well, aware of. And we will do one more, and this one looks uh, quite interesting. Okay, so unmet sexual needs can lead people less satisfied with their relationship, but having a responsive. A responsive partner mitigates this effect. Open quote. For better or for worse, romantic partners usually have to rely heavily on each other to fulfill their sexual needs. Close quote. So beginning a new paper that attempts to plug a to plug a, a gap in our understanding of uh, sexual ideals and what might buffer against dissatisfaction if a reality doesn't quite match. Sexual incompatibilities are not only common, but they're difficult to resolve, even with couples therapy, noped the researchers. Yet there's only been limited work to understand precisely what constitutes as an individual's ideal se- um, sexual life. Now the work suggests that people's ideas are not met. There are negative consequences f- for the relationship. However, importantly, the data also suggests that having a responsive or sexually um, communal partner mitigates this effect. This psychology news article actually really ties into today's episode because today, the psychology of our relationships, the social psychology of friendships, romantic relationships, pro-social behaviour and more, third edition has actually been released. And I actually talk about this to some extent in a the book though about communal relationships and also quite a lot to do with this and i think it's really interesting because yes if these realities are met then this can possibly lead to a relationship breakdown because of course I like, we want to be fulfilled and we also want our needs to be fulfilled meaning that we will most probably break up with our current partner in order to go out and try and find these partners who can sexually fulfill us. But then you've also got the flip side, which I talk about in the book. This I think is really interesting. But this article also flies in the face of like monogamy. I've never I've never been able to say that. I've never been able to say like that word, though. But this, I think, is definitely food for thought and definitely something that we can all take by surprise. So well, that's enough for the psychology news section, let's move on to the personal update. So we're uh, moving on to the personal update, so this personal update will actually be really short because I've not actually been up to like, that much of that would be of uh, interest to you because I've been mainly doing like, a bunch of like, writing and like, updating like, newer books. And then I've also been doing a more live revision. So basically, not a loss actually happens. Like, this a week that was so, uh, And I'm actually just uh, going to forego this uh, personal update. And just uh, move on to the content part of, of uh, today's episode. After the uh, sponsored product section. But as always, I always uh, love to know your thoughts and feelings on today's episode. So you can always email me, conorwiley.net. Con-wiley, you can always tweet me on Twitter at Sci-Fi whiteley, and you can always leave a comment at the show notes at ConnorWhiteley.net forward slash podcast. And I do honestly love to hear from all of you. And the uh, sponsored product for today's episode, as I mentioned in the psychology news section, is psychology of Relationship: the social psychology of friendships, romantic relationships, pro-social behaviour and more, third edition. So uh, this book I do really enjoy, though, because this book, though, does go into so much depth about uh, why relationships form. And it's a massive misconception within psychology and just like within society in general that when you talk about relationships, you're only talking about sexual relationships. But it doesn't, and and unless the book specifically says it, though, everything in this book can be applied to friendships and romantic relationships. So uh, this book goes into great depth about uh, um, why they're important to us, and also um, what are the biological, cognitive, and uh, social reasons that relationships occur. And then it also goes into the research about how these relationships sh- should uh, be uh, maintained, and then it goes into the uh, pro-social behaviour, and I guess most importantly, uh, how to have a good uh, communication in uh, relationships, uh, and how relationships uh, break uh, down, uh, but, like sadly though, because it's a fact of life, but it's really interesting uh, to see how it actually happens in a relationship. So that is Psychology of Relationships, The Social Psychology of Friendships, Romantic Relationships, Post-Social Behaviour and more, 3rd edition. Available on all the major ebook retailers and you can get to the ebook out directly from me at payhip.com forward slash conwhitely. And you can also order the paperback, hardback and large print versions from Amazon or your local bookstore or your local library. So that's enough of the personal update, move on to the content part of today's episode. So moving on to the content of today's episode. So we're going to be looking at why people don't help. And this is a great new section in uh, the Psychology of uh, Relationships book though. And I think it's really interesting. Because the vast majority of the theories have like teach us. That uh, we are meant to help others. So like a form example like king selection theory evolutionary psychology they all teach us that we should help others and um no matter what but of course as we all know that doesn't that just doesn't happen though so this is a really good section by that hopefully you will really enjoy the life and like the rest of these episodes after the new book i will be recording it as a audiobook chapter and then i will pop in at the end to like add a few more thoughts so i'll see you like, in a moment Chapter 10, why people don't help. In the last chapter, we looked at the bystander effect and three factors behind bystanderism. So in this chapter, I wanted to investigate the topic of why people don't help in more depth, because bystanderism isn't the answer to everything. Rationality of not helping. To answer this, Bickman 1972 ran a study where the Podpistans were led to believe that they were in an experiment with two other Podpistans and a confederate. Subsequently, the Podpistans heard a bookcase fall on top of one of the confederates and the Podpistans believed the other confederate could or couldn't help the person. Also they heard the other confederate in a interpret the end end as an accident or not. In short, a pub would have heard the bookcase fall on another person and if it was an accident or not, as well as if you were needed to help rescue a person. The results showed pub were a lot more likely to help if the confederate deemed it to be a definite a emergency and they couldn't help them. This makes sense because if someone is uh, trapped, it wasn't urgent and that uh, you weren't needed, uh, chances are you aren't going to help because you're not needed. And yes, I can hear the number of readers saying yes, I would still help. Uh, I agree I want to, I think that but chances are we won't. When do numbers of bystanders increase helping? I like the study below because in our psychology we hear a lot about the negative sides of social groups, social psychology third edition, and the bystander effect. Therefore I always love studies that turn the current research consensus on its head, since we think the number of bystanders only decreases helping, but it can increase helping in certain situations. Grokermere and Muggeti, 2015, conducted an experiment where they told students they needed one or four people to do an experiment, as well as the participants believed they were alone or ten other people that received the request. The hypothesis was, if a one person is needed, the number of bystanders should decrease helping as supported by Lanley and Darley, 1968. When others are needed, the more bystanders there are, there should be an increase in helping. The results showed that participants thought helping made less sense when one was needed but many were available, as well as when many were needed and only one was available. This was caused by the diffusion of responsibility in the first scenario, whereas when the opposite was true, when many people were needed and many were available, this increased helping. Again, I think this study has a lot of real world implications, because if multiple people are needed to help, then what's the point of one person trying? Also, I would love to think that I would still try it and chances are I probably would, yet it's still interesting to consider. A final study. Lastly, Harrier, Harrier and White, 1985, studied rape as scenarios on a university campus to see if men alone or men in groups could help. The results showed men in groups overwhelmingly helped, probably due to feeling safe and the norm is to help. Critical thinking. Nonetheless, the study is far from perfect, because helping is a naturally strong in a natural setting, since humans are inclined to help others. You'll see in the next chapter on altruism how true that can be sometimes. Additionally, there is no discussion of ethics in the study, because these purposes weren't briefed or informed consent wasn't obtained before the study. Therefore, when someone cries rape, you know it's an emergency, so the generalizability of the studies might not be as high as you think. Due to the results of the study can only be generalised to situations that are clearly an emergency. On the positive side, participants who thought they would have to talk to the and later helped faster. In addition, the number of Confederates had no impact on this. Gogabel and Carver, 1980. Lastly, and perhaps the most interesting finding, is a public self-awareness for versus the bystander effect. I talk a lot more about self-awareness in social psychology yet I think this is an interesting finding as it could mean the way we get more people to help others could be to make them more aware of themselves in these situations since if people know that they're being watched and let's face it judged by others for their actions then it might make people help others. For example, if a person was walking in a street and they saw an elderly lady fall over and no one, including the elderly woman, saw that person, then there's a chance that they would avoid the situation and hope that someone else would help. However, if that person thought about the negative judgments other people would be giving them for not helping, then maybe, just maybe, they would help. It's an interesting idea to think about. So, but this episode, I really do like them because a lot of that is really true, though, and you really can apply it to everyday life. And something that I love about psychology, but equally, this is quite annoying about psychology and also like human behaviour, because it is so complex. You really cannot say that it's down to one thing which I guess is really good because then that would make behavior really easy to study and psychology wouldn't be as fun as it is though but what I like about it though is that the social psychology book which is the new edition though of like to the psychology of like, relationships that's so like if you want to get one then you might want to get the other to enhance your understanding because they're both great really easy to understand books though, that I really enjoy this was a really great, episode. and hopefully though, like um, you really got something out of it. Something else I also wanted to like mention though, was about the rape scenario, because that is really that is a criticism though. Because yes, it shows that men over. Well, overwhelmingly help in a groups but again as the critical thinking section I said those are results that can only be applied to situations where there's a clear emergency. So this is something that we need to think about whenever we encounter psycho- psychology research. Is that we always need to be wary though about is it as credible as we think or like are we so amazed by the results that that we're missing one of the negatives of the study though. So hopefully yes like hopefully though like you really enjoy today's episode and please check out uh, psychology of our relationships uh, the social psychology of uh, friendships romantic relationships pro-social behavior and more it's a great book and the uh, people are really enjoying it though so hopefully like you will too and uh, the books are available at all major ebook retailers and you can order the payback hardback and large print version from amazon or your local bookstore and you can buy the ebook directly from me at payhip.com forward slash connor so have a great day everyone and i'll see you next time Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to see the show notes, then please go to conorwhiteley.net. And if you want a free 8-book psychology box set, then please go to conorwhiteley.net. Have a great day and I'll see you next time.